What's going on? I am Nick with Defined Life. I am the creator of the Define My Day Planner, and I am here to talk to you today about how to plan a day when you have ADHD. Whether you have been diagnosed or have a sneaking suspicion that, man, I got this, right? <laughs> so, I myself, I've never been diagnosed. I did have a doctor once put me on some ADHD medication and it really did nothing for me. But I have always been a person who gets overwhelmed, is just always trying to make a list to try to figure out like what I need to do today. And I have to reference back to it or I forget what I'm going to do. And I'll find myself at the end of the day going, oh man, I didn't do anything that I intended to today. Because I'm always like that squirrel brain mentality where I'm just going to whatever's screaming at me. And so I want to talk today about what I do to navigate that feeling, whether I have ADHD or not. I don't know. I suspect that maybe there's something in there. But uh, I'm going to, how I navigate uh, what my day so I can be more effective uh, and productive, and how other people have done it with Define My Day or any other planner, really. So as always, you don't have to be a Define My Day customer. Uh, it certainly helps, uh, but you can also do this at home uh, just by writing down the stuff that we talk about. So looking at this, like how do you how do you know you have ADHD? Maybe you suspect it. Maybe it's just a joke you have. Oh, I have ADD, right? I mean, people, I feel like people say that all the time and they might not have it. It's just kind of like a joking way to say like, I forgot something. Or my attention goes many places. And I think in society today, that can, it's almost encouraged in a way. But so how do you know? Like, and so some of the symptoms, if I look through these, I'm like, man, I got all this stuff. So uh, the first thing, first way to tell if maybe you have ADHD is if you have, obviously, the problem with being easily distracted and a problem with inattention. Uh, maybe squirrel brain, as I call it. Um, and maybe you have a lot of unfinished projects. Maybe you start things you don't finish. Uh, you're just going from one thing to the next, and you just cannot focus on a specific task enough to completion. Uh, second thing, disorganized. Maybe you're maybe just highly disorganized. I mean, if you look at your desk, is it a mess? Is your house messy? Uh, and I'm not talking about the kind of messy that comes from having kids or just being busy. I'm talking about like, you're just disorganized. You don't know where to find something. Like maybe you started a filing system, but never really got there. You know, I, again, I have myself in mind here, but you're just generally disorganized to, you know, whatever degree you might believe that to be for yourself. Uh, you have a bad concept of time. You frequently lose time. Maybe you're always late uh, and you just you, like you have a bad concept of time. That's a indication of ADHD. Uh, maybe you're incredibly impulsive. Maybe you're just going from task to task, thing to thing, activity to activity. Uh, that could be a symptom. It also hyper focus is a symptom of ADHD. Like you get so engrossed in a project or a task that you lose track of time that way. You could be emotionally reactive, highly emotional. Uh, you you swing from emotion to emotion on a frequent basis. Uh, you could be restless and anxious. Uh, that's that hyperactivity portion of it, right? You just you just 
feel the need to always fill your time with something else. You could be always tired from the mental energy that this takes. You may have relationship problems, frequent misunderstandings. Maybe you're forgetful of important things that your partner doesn't appreciate. Or you could be very impulsive. And then finally, you have variable performance in that some days, like you're just great at your job or great as being a parent or great, you know, just great in life in general. And then other days you're just like, eh, you know, I'm, you're all over the place. Maybe, maybe you're just exhausted or maybe you're just all over the place and you're just, you know, can't form a coherent sequence of events. And all of these things. So everybody experiences all of this stuff, right? Like even people that don't identify with ADHD, you, you might be saying to yourself, yeah, I do some of that myself too. It's all on a scale, right? I think it's when it all builds up to a combination of these things to the point where it has a negative impact on your ability to function as an adult is where we get into the ADHD end of the spectrum. So these are all things that everybody experiences, but it's when they all come together to be detrimental is when we start talking about ADHD. So, you know, what to do, even if you don't have ADHD, based on what we just got done talking about, you can still benefit from this conversation because if you've experienced any of that stuff, this can help you. All right. Uh, the primary goal of this episode is going to be to help you develop focus by growing your awareness of what serves you and what does not. We're going to re help reduce the chaos and get things under control. Ultimately, the benefit of going through this process is to feel a little bit more calm and maybe not feel like you have to be running from thing to thing. Give yourself just a little bit more peace of mind and, and the ability to just like sit, right? And just relax. Or maybe go do something you enjoy that would benefit you rather than feeling like you have to run and accomplish all of the stuff and put out all of these fires. So, you know, uh, what are some of the pitfalls and challenges to this conversation or the, like, if this situation is you, how, like, what's going to heart, like, what's going to slow you down from accomplishing this? Uh, number one, uh, you know, you might have developed coping mechanisms that are detrimental to actually solving the problem. Like you might have habits now formed to try to get over this that are going to be hard to break. And, and just being aware of that is okay. Like, it just, you know, as slowly as maybe you built the habits, we might have to unpack them. You might be in the habit of, of numbing yourself, of purposefully distracting yourself through screen time or, you know, TV, phone, um, other things, maybe alcohol or, or whatever, like disassociation, like maybe, maybe that's what you do. Like there's, there's habits that we develop to maybe in an unhealthy way, kick your brain into neutral. And that's the only way you can relax. So that could be a bad habit. Um, you know, again, intentionally distracting yourself with the next task, um, even if it's work or if it's, you know, social media or whatever, just distracting yourself with the next thing. Like people sometimes fill their lives with a bunch of different things so they can just bounce from thing to thing to thing. And they just ne so they never feel bored or whatever. Uh, the the to do list 
to-do list addiction is kind of the thing with this where like you just you have to have this huge list and you may not even finish it or even finish one of the tasks but just having this list is like just like it's almost like a feeling of comfort that you can just like here are all the options I could be doing with all of my energy and then the last thing that we do that, that might be a challenge is avoiding like this habit of avoiding hard in-depth tasks so a lot of times we can do a lot of tasks a little bit of a lot of tasks but never getting deep into one and that's a problem like that that creates a habit of avoidance and that is probably in my mind one of the most detrimental things of this whole process is that inability to do deep work to really get into a state of flow and to persevere through hard stuff because a lot of times you know life is hard and if we get in the habit of bouncing away from hard things you know life tends to get harder right because we're not accomplishing we're not we're not resolving issues and it just piles up on us and that makes it worse right that just makes the whole stew worse and we don't want to do that we want to make it better so you know how i how i visualize adhd for someone and or someone with just a lack of focus is like if you if you draw a circle like a a big circle on a piece of paper like that's the circle of concern for someone with adhd and everything that's going on in their lives just like are like dots inside that circle and you know, it's just a, like, you could put a hundred dots, you could put a thousand dots, whatever it is. Like there's just all of these things that they concern themselves with and they get spread too thin because they're trying to take care of way too many things. And what we want to do is if you, if you're following me along and you're doing this, you draw a much smaller circle in the middle of that circle. And all of the dots that are now in that circle are what they should be focused on. And all of the ones outside that circle are at best optional and at worst complete distractions that just waste your time. And if you're looking at it from the perspective of like being on ground level and looking forward, it's like you're looking out at all of these options. And from your perspective, they all look the same. So each activity looks exactly the same in terms of importance. But if like you're an outside observer, you would see that some of the activities that look really big and important are just closer to you. And the activities that truly are big and important are really far away, that if we actually worked toward those faraway activities, they would have a much larger impact, positive impact on our lives. And so it's a matter of perspective and a matter of the ability to tag the proper tasks in our lives as priorities and the other things as distractions or things that may be low level that we can make part of our lives at a different time, either a different time of the day or a different time in our lives. The problem with ADHD is that we just give it all like a the the utmost importance tag and we just try to handle it all do it all in bits and pieces with no organization sporadically uh it's just it's just the sense of like running from fire to fire and we 
exhaust ourselves. And then at the end, uh, never got the really important thing done that would improve our lives, that would make us feel better, that maybe would make us more money, improve our relationships, give us a sense of peace and accomplishment. You know, we spent maybe all of our time doing laundry rather than um, doing something that might not even take a whole lot of time, but could maybe even get us uh, more money, solve bigger problems. Uh, but at least our laundry was done, right? Like at least our, our clothes are clean. Like, and I'm not saying don't do laundry. I'm just saying that there's a time and a place. And a lot of times uh, you can stuff the laundry in the washing machine and then go do more important things and just come back to it later. So it's just a way of managing time in a way after you figure out what the priorities are. So how do we start this process? For me, step one is adding structure. So the, with the overall goal being, let's slow it down, let's pause, and let's think about what our next step is going to be. So as part of this process, what I like to do is create a small, peaceful space, a clean space, an organized space that you dedicate to keeping clean and organized. And it doesn't have to be big. It is just like a chair with maybe a table or a desk some place that you can just sit and make it your space to centering yourself, to daily create a plan. Maybe you meditate there, maybe you read there, but it's a place where if you need to sit and think and center yourself, you can do it in this place and find some peace and calm. Now, if you're like me, like I actually... I started creating these spaces all over my house. So if I was walking through a room and, I'm, and I found myself in this place where I was, my mind was racing, I could sit down in a chair in this room and there would be a book right there. I could just pick up a book and read it for a couple of seconds or a minute. And if I wanted to meditate, there's a couple of places in the room where I could sit down and meditate for two minutes and just calm my brain. Uh, and even the shower can be this place for you. I mean, like a lot of people... You know, you have those thoughts that just come out in the shower. It's because it's just like this calming sensory deprivation tank in a way where you can just sit and, and relax or stand and relax. So have a place that like identify a place in your home where you can just sit in peace. It might not even be in your home. Actually, it could be outside. It could be a coffee shop, just some place where you get to, uh, you know, clear your thoughts a little bit. Now, the next thing we want to do is create solid boundaries in our lives. If you listen to the previous podcast, we talked about uh, depression and creating boundaries there. It's very similar in this way. Um, you know, we we need to limit our time where we, we, we waste our energy. So we want to limit certain activities like the phone, TV, certain, you know, whatever is a time suck that, you know, you, you say you're going to do it for 10 minutes, but you end up there for an hour. So make a solid boundary, make a list of things that you just are not going to do. Like these are the, these are the do not do things, the do not do list where you just won't do these, these, these activities anymore. I would again, create solid wake up time and bedtimes. You want to create a solid, consistent, healthy bedtime routine. I know it's hard. I, I don't get to bed the same time every night, but I strive for 10 o'clock. 
and I always wake up at 6.30 every day. And that's just, that's my limit. I get myself my seven to eight hours of sleep. And the more I practice it, the easier it becomes. I also try to build habit stacks throughout my day. So I'm on a morning, morning habit stack where I get out of bed, I go brush my teeth, I go downstairs, I make my coffee, I sit down with my planner, I write in my planner, I meditate, I journal. Uh, I, I have this set routine where every morning I do the same thing for about 20 minutes uh, and it's always the same. So it gives me that that anchor point through my day where I know this is going to happen. And then the world can rush in afterward with all of its bells and whistles and requests and demands. I also want a habit stack going to bed. So this is my routine when I go to bed. So it's very consistent and healthy to wind me down to go to bed. And then I also add in some habit stacks when I go to work. So when I sit down at my computer, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. And then there's also a a do not do component there too. Like maybe you will not check email. Maybe you will not open a certain website. Maybe you'll not check your voicemail until 11 o'clock. There are certain things you don't want to do because they can suck you into a world that you don't want to be in right now. Like you need to do the things that you want to focus on. So building those habit stacks into key points of your day are incredibly important. The last place that you might want to build a habit stack is when you come home, right? That, that what do you engage in from the moment you walk in the door? You know, are you eating a healthy snack? Are you talking, are you being present with the people in your house? Are you taking time to rest? Or are you just jumping into the next thing and starting a whole new task list that maybe if if you're being thoughtful about it, maybe you don't need to be in. And so we want to be thoughtful about our next steps as we go through the day. And those transition periods are key points that you can add those in. So waking up, going to work, arriving at work, arriving at home, going to bed, like those key transition points are perfect places to add a new habit stack. And it doesn't have to be long. It can just be a healthy way to transition into the next sequence of events that you need to be doing. Step two is to reduce your workload and energy exertion. And the way I do this is to find my priorities and find tasks that I should not be doing, either by giving them to somebody else or saying I'm not responsible for that and giving myself permission to not do them. That's a hard thing to do. But the more in touch you get with your priority things, the more you will understand that you don't have time to do these things that just suck your time and energy. These are distractions. We call this the desert of distraction in the defined life process. These are those things that will bleed you dry. And in the end, just like they feel like they're killing you and you just don't want to be part of these things, even if you don't realize they're bleeding you dry. So how do, we, how do we find these things? What I recommend somebody do is create a list of all of the things they have to do from their priority tasks at work all the way down to their chores at home, doing laundry, uh, the, you know, weeding the garden, all the things you have to do at home 
Like do, write down everything that you have to do in a day and then all of the priorities and things that you have to do in the future. Write them all down on a list. And then I have you write, start another list where you order these things. And it might be easier if you put numbers next to them in the left list and then try to reorder them in the in the list to the right. But you want to try to reorder these things so that you now have this list in order of importance in your life. And you, I want to avoid like things that are just obligations that you're doing because other people expect you to be doing them, but they're really not that important to you. I want to put those things towards the bottom of the list. And I want you to put like the things that are really important to you at the top of the list. And it could be, it could be that this changes a lot too, as you get used to this and as you experience this through a day-to-day basis. But you know, maybe having a relationship with somebody is at the top of this list, but through your actions, it's actually happening at the bottom of the list. So maybe we need to raise improving relationships, you know, at the top, maybe it's time with your spouse, time with your kids, loved ones, whatever, you know, but make this list, like what's important to you goes at the top and what's really not important to you goes at the bottom. And look at looking at the bottom of the list is there anything that you can just stop doing like just get rid of it say like this is not a priority for me this is not important in my life why am i engaging in this i'm going to stop today i will never do this thing again i don't know what that is for you but it's just one of those things for me like i don't have a good example to give you right now like for me it was for a while mowing my lawn Like it was wasting too much time. It was taking time away from my kids. I was already exhausted from working so much. So I decided to pay somebody to mow my lawn. It cost me like 25 bucks a week. Now it's more expensive now, but, um, but I also mow my own lawn now because now I use that time to listen to podcasts. So again, it can change. Good example of how things change. Uh, but you know, you can, you know, maybe you can have somebody else do the laundry if like that takes up too much of your time, or you can have the kids help you with the dishes, or you can ask your spouse to help you with something if you're overworked and that person seems to be sitting on the couch a lot. Maybe they can help you, right? You can become a team effort. But so when you create this list, you know, you're looking at it from top to bottom, super important things at the top, things that you want to get rid of at the bottom, and things in the middle that are like the... I need to do them, but I'm not going to do them in the beginning of my day. Maybe I'll save them for the weekend. Maybe I'll save them for when I'm exhausted. The things at the top are the ones that are priorities, will get priority treatment, and will be those priority actions and be treated like priorities through my actions every day. Now, of course, you want to be reasonable with this, right? Like you do want to be realistic you don't want to have too many priority things and you don't want to lop off things that you really do need to be doing to survive, right? We all need to do our laundry. You can't say I'm never going to do laundry. And if you don't find a resolution for somebody else doing your laundry or taking it to a laundromat that, or a laundry service, then you can't just say I'm never going to do it. We have to be realistic with it. You're just not going to do it at like nine in the morning when you should be doing a priority task to make more money or you know, whatever your priorities in your life are right now. Now, as we have this list, we have all of these things we need to do. And although it may seem unnatural 
because you just want to get all this stuff done. It may seem unnatural, but what I want you to really work into your schedule is that that practice of pausing and deciding what your next action is going to be before you just run off to do something else. That practice of thinking before taking action. And the way we do this in the Define My Day process is we go through a goal setting practice and we develop goals in four areas, work, personal, health, and relationships. And our goals in those areas inform our priority tasks for the week and for the day. And so we try to break it down into manageable steps every day and we commit to ourselves that we're going to do these priorities that relate to those goals. And then we practice sticking with those goals. So we make the commitment and we stick to doing the priorities that take us forward towards those goals every day. And it might not be a huge task, but it's an important task. And a lot of times I think in the ADHD brain is, you know, understanding that it doesn't need to be something that takes a lot of time that's incredibly important. It's the things that are important a lot of times that maybe take 15 minutes. But when you finally make that phone call, when you finally complete that project, when you finally write that email or summarize the report or whatever that important thing that's weighing on you, when you finally get rid of that, it it lowers the bandwidth requirement in your brain. It stops taking energy because you, you know it's not open anymore. Um, and when you've done that, and then you've also lopped off tasks that you're not going to do anymore, you suddenly find yourself with free time uh, and you almost feel guilty about it because you're not, you're not running in this frantic pace. But that's actually healthy. It's not natural to you, but it's healthy. And the last piece of this step is sticking to it, right? It's that, you know, understanding that this is a priority item. I've made this commitment to myself. I'm going to do it and I'm going to stick to it uh, until it's completed or until I complete this portion that I committed to doing if it's a longer task. I don't want to change direction on a whim. I don't want to stray away from my goal. And I want to practice structured forward movement. And so that doesn't mean we don't change goals. There's, there's part of the process is doing the work and then reviewing in our journal how it impacted us and how we feel about it. That's different than changing the direction on a whim. And so we want to set a goal, work towards it. And if we identify it through a thoughtful process that maybe this isn't the direction I want to go, then we can change direction. But we don't want to change direction just because something else popped up. We want to do it in a thoughtful way. So that's where that pausing really has a positive impact on our day. Step three is improving our presence in our day. So being comfortable in silence in the pause in not finding another thing to do immediately and we can do that through growing our mindfulness through practices like meditation but also being mindful in how we're working through our day 
making the smart transitions, being mindful of the habits and the processes that we engage in as we move through our day, understanding that there are certain distractions that we can engage in that pull our attention away and stopping that, like catching ourselves engaging into things that are going to take us down a path we don't want to go down. And that's why we identify distractions daily in Define My Day, because it happens to everybody. I know that like, if I start doing this thing, it's going to take away from my performance in my priority areas. So we identify it so we can hopefully develop a plan, but at the very least, we can understand when it's happening and then stop doing it. Whether it's checking emails or social media, whatever it might be for you, like this is this is taking away from what I said what I was going to do. So now I'm going to stop doing it. Uh-oh, yeah, that alarm bell's going off. The other part of this improving your presence is, is letting still moments happen, right? Being open for opportunities to connect or for thoughts to happen without actually running off and doing something. I talk about this with my kids in the car you know, like I don't want my kids to get in the habit and and they do it sometimes and I have to stop them and say, stop. Like they'll reach for their phone the minute they get in the car. And when that happens, it immediately stops the possibility of having a thoughtful conversation because thoughts are not happening when you're consuming media. You know, yeah, you might talk about the media, but like these Thoughts and relational things are not happening. So it blocks relationship from happening. And so, you know, phones at the dinner table, phones in the car, you know, it, it's it's all stuff that blocks organic presence of a moment from happening and organic relationships from happening. So understanding that like you can sit in peace and you can sit and just be present in a moment without having to engage in the next thing. And the more you practice, the more comfortable you get with that. Life slows down a little bit and your thoughts become just a little bit clearer every time. And you know, this this idea of presence, it's it can be exhausting, right? Like it can it can feel stressful to just sit in a moment. I, I know I, I've been there and I've, I've been with other people who suffer from this worse than me, but much like meditation, the harder the time you have doing it, the more important for you to do it that it is. So if you can't sit still and be present for a moment, it's maybe an indication that you need to practice doing it more. In some areas where this comes into real life where the rubber meets the road per se is like with work tasks. Like how do you, how do you improve your presence in a work task? For me, I try to set a a work time. So if I have a hard time working on a task for 20 minutes, then I set a work time for 20 minutes. And then the next time I try to go for 25 and then I try to go for 30 and I try to get it up to maybe 45 minutes where I develop flow and I get into this task for an extended period of time. 
and then I can rest for 10, 15 minutes and then get back to doing a task. This alternating focus and relief builds this muscle, this focus memory in your mind and improves your ability to focus on one task. And your presence of being aware of when this is, when you're focused and when you're not will improve as you improve this. And this, you know, this works in relationships. You can practice presence in relationships. You know, you can practice focus in relationships. If somebody is talking to you and your mind frequently wanders, then you're not hearing them. They might not feel important. They might not even realize it consciously, but subconsciously they know like there's something not right here. And I noticed it a lot with my kids because kids talk about stuff that you're like, well, I don't really need to know about all that, but you know, whatever happened in school or whatever happened in a video game or a show they watched or their friends talking, like this is just stuff that's maybe not important to you. But if you practice listening to it, you're practicing being present, especially in moments when like it might be really important. So if you practice being present in the small moments and the big moments, then you will be better at being present. Uh, and you know, a, a good way to try to improve the skill is through meditation. Just, you know, if it's two minutes, if it's 10 minutes, if whatever you can do, again, try to set a goal to just be a little bit better every time. And that practice of, you know, you got distracted, you're bringing your mind back. It's just that constant practice. Again, it's all practice. Practice of bringing your attention back to whatever you're focusing on, whether it's your breathing or whatever. And then IDing, the last part of this to, to improve your presence is to identify when you check out. Like that, that trigger for you, like when you start checking out and just your brain goes on, you know, complete autopilot. Um, you know, you can shortcut that with you know, a trigger again, avoiding, you know, identifying a distractions, identifying the thing that, that might remind you, oh yeah, you're, you're checking out right now. Uh, you can set, you can set time limits on your phone. You can set random alarms through your day. Like if you know, you know, when you finish your lunch, you sit at your desk and you start scrolling through web pages, you know, sometimes you get into it for maybe 20 minutes too long. You can set an alarm that pops off after you're typically into it for 10 minutes that says, okay, you know, okay, now I need to get back to doing whatever I need to be doing. So, you know, there's, there's certain ways that you can short circuit this that helps you bring your attention back to what you should be paying attention to. So if you can improve your presence in at work, in your relationships, uh, in just whatever task you're doing or whatever thing you're doing, the more you can improve that presence, the more you can slow your mind down, the better your results will be in whatever that is. The better your work will be, the better your relationships will be, the more peaceful you will feel. Uh, other, other supporting actions that can help you with this, help you through this, help you improve the situation, uh, therapy, find somebody that specializes in ADHD. They can help you get strategies to go through it. Maybe you need medication. Um, I'm not a huge pill taker, but if it's something that can help you out and get you on a head start, then great. Uh, good sleep is huge. The, the more you sleep, the, the better your brain health, the less unfocused you will be, uh, the less distracted you will become. Like Sleep is uh, one of the most important things. 
Um, exercise. Uh, exercise actually was called the universal treatment by Dr. Amen from the Amen Clinics. He wrote a book, uh, Healing ADHD, and he says that uh, exercise is the universal treatment for ADHD. So obviously important based on his research. Uh, reading for me. Uh, reading is actually one of the first places I identified that I had an issue with focus because I would read entire pages and have no idea what I read because my mind was completely elsewhere. So if you want to practice focus in a way that's not actually working, like doing work, uh, you can practice reading a couple of pages. And if you didn't remember what you read, go back and read the page again until you can be present with that page and read it and remember what you read. Uh, that is very similar to meditation in that way. Yoga, again, uh, you're focusing on your body, you're reconnecting with your body, focusing on movements. Yeah, your mind might wander, but probably can't wander too far. Uh, we already talked about meditation. Uh, breath work is another way. Uh, and then the final one is the Pomodoro technique, which I'll go into a little bit of detail right here. The Pomodoro technique you can use for work or really any other task where you identify how long it takes for you to become unfocused. It might be two minutes, might be five, might be 20. And you set a timer for a little bit more than that to focus on that task. And you will only focus on completing that task until the timer goes off. And there is actually a whole laid out strategy for this, uh, but I've used it for myself. I generally get to about 35, 40 minutes and then I have to like take a break and come back to it. And what that does is it helps you practice doing the one task. And it also gives you that solid like, okay, now it's time to quit. So you're not going to be overly hyper fixated on this task to the point that you lose track of time and don't do other things that also may be important. So it helps you get focused and then disengage and then re-engage when you start the next time block. And then some of the things, and some of these Dr. Amen talks about in his book, uh, the detrimental things, the things that will just hurt your progress with trying to get through this. Sugar, he says that sugar just creates a cycle in your brain that uh, really hurts your progress and makes you unfocused. Uh, screen time, and we talked about that, that instance of you know being on the phone, you know, at the table, at in the car, like just for me, it's when you're compulsively filling time with distraction, it's just reinforcing that sense of like, I can't just sit and do nothing. So I have to just move to the next thing. And it creates a very low level type of attention habit uh, and addiction that uh, makes this whole situation worse. So fighting the compulsion to get onto a screen and fighting like any kind of compulsion to move to the next task uh, might be a practice that you have to get into. And it could be a little exhausting, but um, I think it's one of those things that you have to identify like, okay, I really feel the need to go do something, but I'm not going to because I'm going to be present in this moment or because I'm going to complete this one task or because I am going to finish listening to what my spouse has to say about whatever topic they're talking about. 
And so how do we plan with define my day uh, and ADHD? Like how do we, how do we put that into our planner? So for me, the key part of the process is just coming back to it. It's that daily, like dedicating myself to a process and a rhythm of coming back to this, of planning my focus, accomplishing that focus, and then when I'm done, giving myself permission to rest, giving my myself permission to do other things as long as I got my priorities done. And when we go through that goal setting process, uh, it helps us gain clarity on what's most important to us so that when we're looking at the perspective of life, we're not tagging every task with equal priority. We're understanding that these are the really important things for me to you know, accomplish my dreams, to have the relationships I want, to have the you know, to, to, to do, like make life as enjoyable as possible for me, then I focus on these tasks and all of these other things that are part of life that may still be necessary. They still don't get priority time in my day. And they still, and some of them might not get any time at all. Like they will just get lopped off or they will get like back burnered until maybe I can get around to doing it later. And sometimes I just may forget about it and never do it. But it's so it's that uh, gaining that ability to understand how my steps today connect with my future, the future that I really want for myself and my family and my loved ones and walking that path and understanding that when I find myself getting pulled off course into that desert of distraction, that I will now redirect my attention towards the things that are healthiest for me. And so, you know, it's going through that whole goal setting process. It's setting milestones. It's it's holding those milestones, referencing back to those milestones and making sure that I create daily priorities that connect to those milestones. And the simple process of going through my planner every day helps. It's that like that two or three minutes of sitting down and taking time to think through it and go through the appreciation steps and the mindfulness steps and going through my daily disciplines. It's that practice, that structure that helps clarify my day, clear my mind. And it, and it just, it, it adds just a little bit of element of structure. And then I carry my book around with me and I always have it so that when I feel like, I don't even need to feel off course, to be honest with you. I just, sometimes I don't even feel it. And when I pick up my book and I'm like, well, why am I, why am I doing, you know, C when my book says I need to be doing A, you know? So wait, how did I get off course? And then like, I can think to myself, well, I did because I did this thing. Maybe I need to stop doing that thing, whether it's checking email or whatever. And I go back to, I redirect my attention back to this thing. I said it was a priority. I'm going to get it done. And then sometimes at the end of the day, I'll, you know, look at my planner and I'll say, well, I didn't do any of my priorities. Why not? And, you know, I'll think back of how my day went and you know, maybe I won't even be able to remember it. And I have to think to myself, I can't let myself get this off track. I can't let myself be blown about by the winds of the day, right? Like the hurricane, the cyclone of my day swept me away. Uh, and I really don't even know what I accomplished. I was working the entire time. I feel exhausted, but I don't know what I accomplished. And I don't want that to happen. Even if I was super busy, if I am super exhausted, I want to be highly aware 
of what my actions were and whether they were beneficial or not. And by keeping this planner with me all of the time, by being mindful of my actions, it helps me maintain that clarity on what I did today, whether it was what I said I was going to do, and if I did do the things I wanted to do, if it benefited me, if it moved me closer to my goals. If not, why? And that's how planning this this planning process works for me. And so that's it for today. Uh, I hope this helped clarify a little bit for you. I hope that there are some things in here that will help you navigate ADHD in your life. Or if you're not suffering from ADHD, if you just have these moments where you're like, what the I have no idea what the hell I'm doing right now. If, if, if you have those moments too, I think these practices can help you a lot. So keep moving forward. Make today great so that you live a life that you love and enjoy. Define your day today. Keep moving forward. I'll talk to you soon.